morning. Welcome to Stuttgart Harvest Church. You've picked a great day to be here. Really, you have. As we begin a brand new series called What Happens When? And we're going to look at three, over the next three weeks, three really big, huge, huge topics. One week we're going to talk about what happens when I die, and the Bible has a whole lot to say about that. The next week we're going to talk about what happens when I stumble, when I really blow it big time. What happens? What does that mean to what's happening now in my life? What, what does that mean to my future? What does that even mean to my eternity? Big question. We're going to look at that. But this week, our topic, equally big, this is a big topic, what happens when you get saved? Big topic. Big topic. You've picked a great day. Now, I know some of you are saying, okay, Harley, that sounds a little churchy to me. I mean, you might be saying, I don't know that I'm even all into that. I mean, I, I'm here. I want to figure out how to have a better life. Or maybe you're saying, I'm just trying to figure out how to save my marriage. Or I'm trying to figure out how to get my kids through high school. I'm trying to just figure out how to do better in life. I'm not sure I'm really into all this saved stuff. That sounds not like what I'm signed up for here. I just want to kind of let you off the hook this morning. I'm not going to pressure you. I promise. I'm not going to pressure you to get saved. I'm not going to um, ask you to walk down one of these aisles. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. We're just simply going to begin looking at this really big question. No pressure today, I promise. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Uh, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going um, to ask you really, you know, to identify yourself. So you're going to be okay. I'm not even at the end. I'm not going to tell you any emotional stories that are going to try to elicit a specific response from you. I'm not going to do that. So this morning you're off the hook, okay? Just you can relax. You can take in the information because what we're going to do today is we're going to look into the Bible, God's Word, into Scripture, and we're going to just kind of answer this question, what happens when I get saved? So there's no strings attached. I'm letting you know that right now. No pressure, no gimmicks, no tricks. All right? You can trust me. So, there's a word that you hear often in church. You might hear the word saved. You might hear the phrase getting saved. You could hear the phrase becoming a believer. You could hear the phrase being born again. At our church, you're more likely to hear the phrase um, becoming a Christ follower. But all of those things, perhaps maybe even you've heard someone say in a conversation, I got saved at church today, or so-and-so got saved at church they all, all of those phrases refer to something very important because the Bible tells us that there is a real place called heaven. And the Bible tells us that that is a place where we are connected because of Jesus Christ. We're connected to God forever in this real place called heaven. The Bible also tells us, though, that there is a real place called hell. And that place represents the absence of of God. God is not present there, the absence of God. And now today I'm not trying to convince you that heaven and hell are real places. I believe that they are. So let me just tell you why I believe that and then we'll just move on with the topic, okay? I believe that heaven and hell are real because Jesus spoke of them as if they are real places. Jesus believed that heaven was a real place. He believed that hell was a real place. And that's why I believe it. Now, here's why. Because Jesus is the only person in history to have predicted his death and predicted his resurrection. And then he went and pulled it off. And history has proven that. So I'm going with the guy. I'm believing the guy 
who predicted his death and, and resurrection and pulled it off. So that's why I believe that heaven is real and why I believe that hell is real. I just kind of side with Jesus. If Jesus believed that, then I'm going to do my best to follow that and believe that. So that's why I believe that. Now, what happens when I get saved? There's an important word in the Bible. We're going to talk about two important words. Let, let me just throw this first word out to you, an important word in the Bible, and the word is believe. When I hear the word believe, if I were to go to the dictionary, it's going to tell me something about that I, I, I agree that something is true. I, I, I agree. I may even say, yes, that's true. Jesus used believe. He used that word several times in Scripture. <laughs> So according to the English translation of that word, if Jesus said that, that, that to believe is tied into being saved, then I would say that word is an important word. We need to understand that word. We need to understand belief. Okay? I, I would say that. We're going to get to that in a moment. But first I want to talk about a different word, a second word that we're going to talk about today. Because the Bible also says that this word I'm going to use, this word in just a moment, is also tied in to what it means to be saved. They, they are tied together over and over and over again in the New Testament. We find these salvation linked up with this word. So I think we need to understand this word too. And here's the word that it is linked up to. It's a critical word for us to understand because it's linked up with salvation. And the word is repent. So let me just prove to you that it's over and over in the scripture. I don't have these on the screen, so just listen to these. I'm going to read them very quickly. John the Baptist, I like to call him John the Dunker. Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, John says, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John said, Repent. Luke chapter 13, verse 5, Jesus says this two times in the same paragraph. He says this in Luke chapter 13, No, I tell you again that unless you repent, repent, you will perish too, Jesus said. And if Jesus says that this is tied to salvation, I really want to pay attention to it. Peter, many times in the New Testament, he says this. I'm going to give you one example here. Uh, Peter says, each of you must repent of your sins. And he, say, he goes on to say, because that's that's how you know you're going to be saved. He says, in, in Acts chapter 3, he says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins can be wiped away. Peter over and over and over again says, You need to repent. And he ties it into salvation. And then the apostle Paul says this as well in Acts chapter 17. He said, um, he said, but now he commands, speaking of Jesus, God, he says, he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, salvation is linked to that word repent. So I would say we need to understand that word if we're going to understand what happens when we're saved. So when we hear that word, repent. If you're like me, here's what comes to my mind. What comes to my mind is that means someone feels sorry for what they've done. Or they, then maybe they feel guilty for what they've done. Either one. They can feel guilty for it. They can feel sorry for it. That's what comes to my mind because that's the way we use this a lot of times in, in, in our English understanding of that word repent. Now Paul understood what this word meant. And his whole goal was to see people in their lives repent. And in, we're going to take a look at Paul kind of describing uh, his life to, to two people, two very high politically minded people. One was actually a king. And Paul's goal was to see them repent. And so the first thing we need to understand, repentance is not feeling sorry for what we've done. That is not repentance. Repentance is not feeling guilty because I've done something wrong. That is not repentance either, but that is often what we think that it is. Now, Paul knows what it is, and he's telling him it's not, not feeling sorry, not feeling guilty. Listen to how he describes this story. He's beginning to tell his story to, to these men who are very powerful. 
Acts chapter 26, verse 3. For I know you, as he says to them, you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies. And he's not saying this sarcastically. They really were experts. And Paul is basically saying, just knowing about what happened to Jesus and, and this whole Jewish story, knowing information about that is not repentance basically is what Paul is saying. He says, now listen to me carefully, because he then goes on to explain his story of how Paul was saved and how Paul repented. And so he tells this whole story. And as he finishes his story, he then looks at these men and he says this, Acts 26, verse 26, and King Agrippa, he was right there, knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar familiar to him for they were not done in a corner. In other words, Paul is saying repentance is not knowing about all of these things. It's not looking at this history and saying, yes, I believe that's true. That really happened, Paul. I, I believe that all of those events really happened to Jesus. I believe that that is true. Paul is saying that's not repentance. That's not what it is. And then he says, then the king looks at Paul as they wrap this up. And King Agrippa says to Paul in verse 28, Paul, a little more and you will be making me a Christian. In other words, Paul, you're getting ready to go back to your jail cell, but you almost had me convinced. I mean, if I let you rattle on here a little bit longer, you probably would have had me convinced. I'm almost persuaded, not quite, but almost. And you know what Paul would say to that? Being almost persuaded, that's not repentance. I mean, Paul would say either you are or you aren't. You're in or you're out. It's not in the middle being almost. So if it's not, if it's not feeling sorry for what we've done, repent. If that's not feeling sorry or feeling guilty, if it's not being almost persuaded, as he said here, if, if, it's not, um, if it's not just agreeing that those historical facts, those are true, I believe that those really happened. If it's not that, if that's not repentance, then what is repentance? Because if that word is attached to being saved, we need to understand what repent actually means then. So that's why... We're going to look at it. If it's not simply agreeing with the details of the life of Jesus and his death and his resurrection, what is repent? Because if it's attached to being saved, I want to know. I don't want to be foggy or unclear about this. So let's look at that word. There is a Greek word that's used. You see, the Bible, when Jesus spoke, he spoke uh, in another language. And then they wrote it down in Greek. That's where we have the Greek, because Greek was the, the written language of the time of the New Testament. Uh, Aramaic is what they were speaking. They wrote it down to record it in Greek, because that was the written language of the time. And then we have English translations of that Greek Bible. That's where we get our translations. And there is a Greek word that was used that the English translators then wrote down repent to help us understand what that Greek word meant. And now it's critical for us to understand this. And one of the trustworthy scholars that I read, he says this, that that word and the English translation used for that word is perhaps perhaps the worst translated word in the entire New Testament. That's what he would say. And here's why. Because we have trouble with that English word, repent. Because to us, when we hear that word, most of us think this, oh, it means that he felt sorry for what he did, or he felt bad, or he felt guilty. But that's not what is meant by that Greek word. But that's where our mind goes. We see that. So if this word is tied into being saved, we need to have a clear understanding of what that word means. Because John the Baptist talked a lot about repentance. 
In fact, that way you could basically say his whole message was repentance. And John did not call people and say, you need to feel sorry for what you've done. You need to feel guilty over what you have done. That was not his message. John the Baptist, his message was repent. You know what he was saying? You need to have a change in the way you're thinking and a change in your life's direction. That's what he was saying. And it's kind of a tragedy when we see that word and we think of, oh, they meant he needs to feel sorry for what he's done. They need to feel bad that they did that or said that. But that's not what's going on. So let me, let me give you some examples. The New International Version, when it comes to that word in, in these uh, verses that are attached to salvation, when they come to that word, that, that Greek word, the NIV translates it, repent. Um, the contemporary English version, it translates that word. It, it doesn't use a word. It uses a phrase. They translate that Greek word into a phrase, and they say, turn to him. In other words, turn to Jesus. That's what they use to describe it. I find it interesting that the New Living Translation, that's one that you will often see me use on the screen. The New Living Translation kind of combines both of those, and, and it often translates it like this. It's, it's, it uses a phrase that says, repent, and it basically, and in doing so, it's saying, turn to him. In other words, change directions. One of the greatest New Testament scholars, he says this about that Greek word. Here's what he says that it means. He doesn't say it means repent. You know what he says it means? He says this, a radical change in attitude and life. So in other words, I was headed this way with my life, and I had a change Instead of going this direction, because this direction was my way, my life, I'm the boss, no one's going to tell me what to do, this is my life on my terms, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'm headed this way, a radical, a radical change of attitude, wait a minute, this direction's not right, and a radical turn, I'm not going to follow my way anymore, I'm going to follow his way. A radical change of attitude and a radical change of life. I'm going to head this direction. I'm going to change directions. That's what that word means. That word that is attached to salvation, repent, it means to change directions, to turn around, to change directions. And you might, you might say this, okay, Harley, that makes sense. I'm with you. Okay, so you're saying that this word repent attached to salvation, here's what it means, that for us to be saved, what happens when you're saved? You, kind of, you repent, you turn, you change directions. I was headed this way, my ways, my rules, my life, and I turn directions and I follow his way. I turn towards him. Okay, that, that's clear. I, I can understand that. That makes sense. Maybe that's what you're saying right now. I hope that you're with me. But it gets more confusing. So I'm getting ready to confuse you. On, not on purpose. This is just, this can be confusing. Because I'm going to read to you maybe the most famous verse in the entire Bible, thanks to the NFL. John 3.16. I'm going to read that to you. Now let, listen to this. It's how the NLT translations, they all sound very, very similar. John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Does this sound familiar? So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And we draw emphasis to these two words, believes in. Believes in. And then you might say, Harley, I don't see anything there except believes in. And these are the words of Jesus. That's pretty important. If Jesus is saying, here's what's required for salvation, he didn't talk about change or turning. He didn't talk about any of that. He just said, believes in. So we need to understand that, don't we? Because this is the, these are the words of Jesus. There's a Greek word. 
Jesus spoke in Aramaic, they wrote it in Greek, and the Greek word in that spot right there that was translated in English believes in, that Greek word is pistuo. And there's no significance really, that word means nothing to us, right? But that's the word that was used. And the translators, as they came in, they translate that word into English, and many of them chose to translate it believes in. And that word, pistuo, is translated believes in over 230 times, about 239 times in the New Testament. That's the word that is used, believes in, pistuo. Now, again, our English word right here can be very, very misleading. Believing, that sounds simple, doesn't it? Because when I hear believing, I mean, it's, it's I, you just believe something, right? That's the way it's written. That's what it says. But then you might ask me, because here's where it's confusing, but Harley, you just told us that attached to salvation is this word called repentance and not believing here. But here it just says believing, right? And when I believe something, I'm believing that it's true, Right? But that's this is what Jesus said. He just said simply believe. So if he is saying simply believe, that's what Jesus says. But you're saying over here they talked about repentance. And even Jesus talked about repentance. And now he's just talking about believing. Harley, when I look in my dictionary, here is how believing is defined. It says this, accept something as true. Feel sure, it says, feel sure of the truth of something. And if that's how that word is defined, Harley, then I, I'm confused again because Jesus just said, believe. He said nothing about changing directions. He just said believe. It sounds like all you have to do here, Harley, is just believe. Because my definition of belief says agree that it is true. So, Harley, I am a little bit confused now. So, you would not be alone in that. Anytime you take one verse out of the Bible and you separate it from the rest of the Bible... You take it out of the Bible and you say, here's this verse, and you separate it from everything else that's in there, it can be even more confusing. So here's a very important rule for our lives. When you get confused in the Bible, don't separate that. Leave it right where it is and read what comes before it. Read what comes after it. So let's do that. Let's actually read what Jesus says very next, right after he says, For God so loved this world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting, eternal, eternal life. And that's what it's talking about, that real place called heaven, you and God in heaven eternally. We better understand what that means then, shouldn't we? So let's see what Jesus said immediately after that. We're going to look now at verse 17, John 3, 17. God sent his son, that's Jesus, into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying this. Here's what he said. He said, listen, guys, I am here to save I'm not here to set an example for you, although I, it's going to be a pretty good example. I mean, perfect. I, I, but that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to teach and, and to, you know, to teach you. That's not why I'm here, Jesus said, although he was a great teacher and he taught a lot. He said, that's not why I'm here. He said, I am here to save you. That's why I came. And in other words, he's saying, I came here to go to the cross. That's why I'm here. So we can agree on that. Now, verse 18. So he gives us more. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Oh, there's that, those two words again, believes in. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. 
But anyone who does not believe in, oop, there it is again, second time in this one verse. Anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for, oop, there it is again. Why have they been judged? For not believing in God's one and only Son. So here we are again. Really, hardly is that is. Is that really what Jesus is saying, that we need to come to the place where we mentally agree? Yes, I agree that Jesus is God's son. I agree. I admit that I agree to that. Is that what Jesus is saying? That we need to acknowledge that that's true. But then you remind me, but Harley, you just got through saying that repentance was attached to to salvation. A change in direction. I was headed this way. Now I, I leave that direction and I turn and I head this way towards Jesus. I was headed my way. I repent. I turn directions and I head his way. But hardly it sounds to me like Jesus is saying just believe, just agree that this is so says nothing about changing directions. Okay. Hold on tight. Because Jesus is about to clear this up. Because we have some verses that follow John 3, 16, 17, and 18. And Jesus is going to help us clear up this English understanding of this word believe so that we can understand this Greek word pistuo and understand what it actually means because we don't actually, here's the, the interesting thing we don't actually have a single word pistuo is a single word but we don't have the equivalent of a single word that describes pistuo they tried, they put in the word believe but we really don't have a single word that describes that word. Jesus is getting ready to give us an entire paragraph to describe that one single word, pistuo. Jesus now, what we're getting ready to read, is describing the one word, pistuo, which English translators use the word believe, He's getting ready to describe that in a paragraph. Here's what it means, he says. Not a word, not even a phrase. He defines pistuo this way using a paragraph starting with verse 19. And the judgment is based on this fact. Now, here's the description of pistuo. Here it goes. God's light, and that, that is Jesus. God's light is Jesus. God's light came into the world... But the people loved darkness. In other words, God's light came into this world, but instead of the, a person loving Jesus, they were going this way, loving darkness. And it says God's light came into the world, but the people loved darkness. You know what darkness is? Darkness is their way. Their path that they're on, their journey, they loved doing things the way they were doing them. They loved making their own decisions, being their own boss. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live my life my way on my terms the way I want. That's where I'm going. Jesus is saying, I came here, but people continued. They made a decision to continue their way, their way towards darkness. The light is over here. They put their back to the light, and they walk towards the darkness, their way, their path. Jesus says that's what they chose to do. That's how they chose to live. Do you see how this is another way of saying this? What he's saying, here's another way to say it. I came, but they chose not to repent. In other words, they did not change directions. They could have changed directions, but they didn't. They did not change directions. They kept going their way, their life, their terms. They kept going that way. It's another way of saying that. They loved the darkness. Jesus says they loved the darkness more than they loved the light. Interesting. Some of them had some love for the light, some affection for Jesus. They agreed possibly. Yeah, that's true. But their love 
was really for their way, their path, their life, their terms. Their way. Interesting. How do we know? How do we know that they love their way more than they love Jesus? Jesus describes that for us. For their actions were evil. He said they just continued to live their life on their terms the way they wanted, put their back to Jesus and just kept going that way. He says in verse 20, so he's not done describing this. He's still describing pistuo, this one word, he's still describing it. All who do evil, in other words, they follow their way, they keep following their way, they stay close to evil, their way, the way they want to do life, they keep following their way. All who do evil hate the light. They put their back to Jesus and they just keep going their way. The light is Jesus, right? They refuse to go near. I mean, they just refuse. They refuse to turn around and start going near Jesus, start pursuing Jesus, start going that direction. They just refuse to do it. They refuse. They refuse to get close to him. They refuse to change directions. They refuse to stay close, to try to pursue him. Jesus is saying, to not believe means this. You just keep going your direction, your way. You just keep following yourself. You're your own boss. That's what he's describing. Just like if we don't repent, we don't change directions. Interesting. He keeps on. He's not finished yet. Verse 21. But those who do, I want to pause on that word. Do. Those who do, that means there is something we need to do. But don't confuse this because the Bible clearly says we are not saved by works, by the good things that we do. That's not what saves us. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. But he is saying there is something we must do if we want to be saved. There, there is, you do play a part. If you want to be saved, you do have a role. You do. He's saying, but those who do, so it's something you actually do, not something you just think. It's not something you just admit is true. There's something you do. So what exactly are they doing? What are those things? They, they are changing directions. They are now, they were going away from Jesus. Now they're beginning to go near Jesus. Here's what they do. Those who do what is right. Now, again, what is right is not talking about going out and doing a bunch of good things so you can get to heaven. It doesn't work that way because we can never do enough good to get there. God tells us that. So what is the right thing they are doing? Jesus tells us right here. They do what is right. They come to the light. That's the right thing that they do. They were headed away from Jesus, living life their way, on their terms, their way. And they changed directions. And they began, instead of going away from the light, away from Jesus, they now go toward to Jesus. They have had a change of thinking, a change of direction. They come to the light, and then it's describes it. It just this is describing exactly what what it takes. This is describing salvation, and then it describes why they come to the light, so others can see. They can see that they're doing what God wants. In other words, it's not done in privacy. It's not done in hiding. They change directions with their life, and people begin to notice. Not because they're perfect. Do not misunderstand me. When we turn and change directions and begin changing the way we think and changing our life, we do not become perfect. If you know me or have been around me, oh, it will only take about 10 minutes. You're going to understand I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be this side of heaven. I'm not perfect. But it means I, I, I'm telling you what I have done. I have changed directions with my life. And I'm now every day going this direction.
It happens in public. People can see a difference. So, the Greek word pistuo, many of the English translators use the word believe. But perhaps, you know, there are some other words that are used to describe pistuo. One of those words perhaps is a better understanding, will help you understand the word believe a little bit better. You know, one of the English words that they use to describe pistuo, here, here's the word. They use the English word entrust. Entrust. Entrust is defined as for you to put something into someone's care. And this word perhaps will help you understand what pistuo means, because here's what's happening. You were trusting yourself, your decisions, your ability to cope, your ability to handle things. That's what you were trusting yourself, your way, your life. And you realize that's not going to work. It's not going to get me where I'm going, where I want to go, I mean. So you take your life and your journey, your decisions, your thinking, you take all of your life and your journey, and you turn and you entrust it into the hands of Jesus. You give it to him. Does that make sense? We're entrusting. See how this brings together the whole meaning of what Jesus is saying here and what he is trying to help us understand is our salvation connected with these two words, this word, important word, repent, this other important word, pistuo, which has been translated believe in. And now you see how it, we are entrusting this life, this journey, we're taking it from ourselves. We did trust ourselves. We're taking this life and entrusting it with Jesus. It brings it together. Jesus says, we are, if we're going to be saved, our lives are going to change direction. We're going to take it, turn around, and entrust it with Jesus. What are we entrusting? We're entrusting our life, our journey. We're giving it to, entrusting it to Jesus. I was trusting myself. I change. I have a change of attitude, a change of life, a direction, and I entrust it with Jesus. I was following my way. I was doing it my terms, my decision. I'm the boss of my life. And now I take it, and I entrust it with Jesus, and I follow him, and he is the boss of my life. Am I doing it perfectly? No. But that's the direction I'm headed. Listen to how the amplified version takes this whole meaning of what we've just talked about. When, and think about repent, changing directions. Think about how the word pistuo and believe in and, and listen to how the Amplified Version pulls all of this together. It's very beautiful. John 3.16 in the Amplified Version. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world... That he, he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes in, now what does that mean? Whoever trusts in, clings to, relies on him shall not perish, which is to come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. Do you see? You can't really, I can't really, none of us can really understand John 3.16 unless we continue reading through John 3.17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. And here's what Jesus is saying in that passage. To repent is to change direction. I was following my way, now I'm following Jesus. 
To believe is to come close to Jesus, to get close, to pursue, to cling to Jesus. To believe is to get close to him, so close that I am entrusting him with my life, my journey. To say, I'm changing. I'm entrusting my whole life. I'm following. I'm letting him be in charge, in control. I was the boss. Now he's the boss. So when Jesus says repent, when Jesus says believe, when Paul or Peter or John, when any of them say repent or believe, they are saying you are changing directions with your life. You were headed this way, but you stop and you change and you turn and you head toward Jesus. You begin following Jesus. Now you are following Jesus. You're getting closer to Jesus. You're entrusting him with your life and your journey. You were the boss of yourself. Now you submit to Jesus as the boss of you. What happens when you get saved? What happens when you believe? What happens when you repent? Here's the answer. You change directions and you follow him. Making him the boss of your life. You do not do this perfectly. You can't. You are still going to fail. Even when you change directions, you're still going to fail and fall. That does not mean that you've fallen back to that way and you're leaving. It doesn't mean that. You know what? Because when, G when you turn and entrust Jesus with your life and your journey, here, when you entrust him, you let go. But guess who holds on? Jesus. And even when you fall and you fail and you blow it and you are imperfect as you will, we all are. And it may be a whole bunch, but even when you do, he's the one holding because you have entrusted, you turned, you have entrusted it to him. Once you give it to him, it's his forever. He hangs on to it. Here's my question. Have you been living your life just saying, yeah, I, I believe the Bible. I, I believe that Jesus was God's son. I, I believe that that's true, that that really happened. Have you been mentally agreeing that that's true? Or have you changed directions? You were going this way. You stopped. You took your life, your decisions, and you began to follow him and say, I entrust you with it. I'm going your way. Or have you just mentally agreed? Yeah, I think the Bible's true. I think that really happened. I think Jesus really was God's son and he died. Have you just mentally agreed? Or have you taken your life and turned and placed it and trusted it with, with him? That's my question for you. Have you changed Directions? Are you pursuing? Have you cleaned to? Are you getting closer to? And it's not going to be perfect. You're still going to fall and hurt. But have you said, Jesus, I'm going to choose to follow you instead. I'm not going my way. I'm going to go your way. You're now my boss. Or has it simply been a mental agreement? Because here's the danger. Listen to the danger of mental agreement. Jesus puts it in words perfectly. The danger of just mentally agreeing. Yes, I believe that stuff in the Bible. I believe that Jesus really did, and he was a good guy. He got son, and he came, and he died. I believe that. I mentally agree that that happened. Listen to the danger. Jesus puts it in words. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says to me, yeah, that's true. That Bible stuff is true. I'm going to go to church every once in a while. I'm gonna, I mean, I may be there a lot even, but I, I believe, yeah, that's true. That's true. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. Now, again... We're not talking about doing good things to earn your way into heaven. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What was the will? That they come to Jesus. But only those who do the will of my Father. What is his will? That you come to, that you turn. I was following me, now I'm going to follow him. I'm going to get close to Jesus, pursue Jesus. Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter.
But he's not done yet. Listen, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name. In other words, we were even at church a whole lot and did a bunch of good things, good churchy things. We did that. He said, no. Verse 23, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You who didn't do what I I asked you to do. He said, I don't know you. It's not all. Listen, James describes it too. He said, in James chapter 2, he says, you say you have faith. You believe that there is one God. You believe. You, You have mental agreement on this thing here. Well, good for you. Even the demons agree with this. And they tremble in terror. Do you have just a mental agreement? Or have you taken your life and changed, turned, and entrusted it with God, saying, God, you can be my boss? Choosing to become a follower of Jesus. Here's today's bottom line. We're about done. When I'm saved, I'm changing directions. I was following myself. Now I'm following Jesus. We have two groups of people, I believe, here this morning. I am among these two groups. The first group has said, yes, I mentally agree. Those things in the Bible are true. I believe those are true. I would say, yes, those are true. I mentally agree with that. But they have never taken their life and entrusted it with God, turned, taken it and turned and said, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going to go his way. I'm going to follow him. Jesus, you can have this. Because when you died on the cross, your blood shed, you poured your blood out. That was a payment. Your death was a payment and it purchased my life. And so I'm giving you, I'm taking it. I was the owner. God, I'm I'm turning and I'm making you, you bought it. I'm giving it to you following you. Maybe you have never done that. There's a second group. I would say many of us fall into that group. I often fall into this group I'm going to describe. The second group, people who have already, they have taken their life and entrusted it to Jesus. And once he has it, he will never let it go. He'll never drop it. You can mess up. You can blow it. He's not going to let that go. But Maybe over the course of time you have, you have distanced yourself from God. Maybe you got sidetracked. Maybe, maybe you got stalled. Jesus isn't going to let you go. But maybe in your heart you're saying, I need, I need to pursue him. My heart is saying, I need to get closer to him. I want to say a prayer for each of these groups. Let's start with the first group. Perhaps you're ready to say, Jesus, I'm ready to turn. I've been following my way. I'm ready. I've mentally agreed. Yeah, those things are true, but I've never taken my life and turned and placed it in your hand and said, you're the boss. Maybe you're ready to do that today. What happens when you get saved? That's what happens. You take your life, you turn away from what you've been, and you turn it and give it to him. I promised I wasn't going to have you raise your hand. I'm not. I promised I wasn't going to have you walk down an aisle. I'm not. I'm, this is all I'm going to ask. Let's, for all of us, just for a moment, to bow our heads. I'm going to say a prayer. If for the first time you were saying to Jesus, I need to turn and give my life to him. I need to entrust him with my life. You can simply do that. You don't even have to say this out loud. Jesus is listening to your heart. I'm going to say some words, and if what I'm saying is what your heart means, just say, Jesus, that's me too. I'm saying that too. That's for me too. Let's pray. Jesus, some of us here this morning have mentally agreed that you are real. That you're God's son and that you died and that you rose again. We've mentally agreed on that. But we have never chosen to take our lives and to entrust you with them. We have continued to live our lives our way, our terms. 
Jesus, you said that's walking into the darkness, and I want to turn my back on that. I want to take my life as best I can understand it. Take my journey as best I can understand it, and I want to turn to you and place it in your hands. And I want to let go and say this. You bought it with your death on the cross. You rose again three days later. You guarantee me new life. I give it to you. It's yours. If you're praying that today for the first time, before you leave, before you put your connection card in the giving bucket in just a moment, before you do that, make sure you mark on that card that you're becoming a Christ follower today. There's a place for you to mark that. You'll see it on the back side. And it also gives you direction to pick up at the next step table as you leave the pamphlet that says next step. And then across the middle, it says first steps. Take that with you. Some important things I want to encourage you about your journey. It's in there. Take it with you today. Give me your connection card in the, in the giving bucket, and then you pick up that paper. Now let me pray. The band's on their way up. I want to pray for this second group that contains many of us. I have been in this group many, many times in my life. Let's pray. God, many of us today have at some point entrusted you with our lives, and we turned away from ourselves, and we, we entrusted you. We gave you our lives. We became followers of yours. But God, life has happened, things have happened, and we have slowed down. We have distanced ourselves from you. We have slipped and backed up. We've fallen, we've been sidetracked. And God, many of us in this very moment, our hearts are saying, we need to, we desire to follow you, to pursue you closer. We have a desire to be near you. God, would you help us to pursue you like we once did? Thank you for not letting go when we have fallen and when we have distanced ourselves. Thank you for hanging on. God, help us to pursue you deeper. Thank you that you take these chains that we wear away and you replace them by calling us your child, your friend. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.